Hey, Drew Dixon here from Love Thy Nerd, back with you for another Bible Thump. Let's look at Romans 4, starting verse 13. So Romans 4, starting verse 13, and we'll read a bit, a good, good bit, the rest of the chapter. Verse 13, For the promise to Abraham, or to his descendants, that he would inherit the world, was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is empty and the promise is nullified. Because the law produces wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace, to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in God's sight, whom Abraham believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls all things into existence that, didn't, that do not exist. He believed, hoping against hope, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what has been spoken. So will your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body already to be dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and also the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, because he was con fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. Now it was credited to him. Now this, this phrase, it was credited to him, was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. It will be credited to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. All right, so Paul's kind of been building up to this moment for a while where he would say, look, um, salvation, a right relation with God, righteousness, like right being um, in this state of belonging, uh, of of meeting the standards that God would set for those who come into relationship with Him. That's all. That's all always been a reality that God offers to those who who seek Him by faith, not by works, not by um, in particular, not by keeping the law, not by just being. Um, in the right people group or, or, or having the right family or doing the right things, but no, it's something that we receive. It's a gift we receive by faith. And so I want to say three things about faith that I think come out of this chapter. Um, and uh, the first is that God calls us, the faith that God calls us to is not belief in escape from this world, but a belief that God will redeem it. And we see that in verse 13. Uh, the promise God made to Abraham, who's the father of the Jewish nation, but also Paul's been making the argument as the father of all who believe. So this figure who represents um, covenant with God, who, rec who represents coming into relation with God, um, the, the faith he had was that, that, uh, that, that he would inherit the world, right? So it wasn't just, Abraham wasn't just going to get to escape the world uh, and have this disembodied existence with God forever, but no, God was going to do things through Abraham and his descendants in the world. And that's really important because I think there's this modern view of Christianity that it's an escape from our present existence, that by trusting in Jesus, we get to say goodbye to this really frustrating, broken world. Um, and all the ways that it's 
that it's very sinful and all the ways that it's very selfish and all the ways that we feel like it's lost sight of its like moral compass or whatever. Um, the ancient Jewish uh, view of the world was never one where you get to peace out from this place and say goodbye to it because it's so so broken and wicked. But it was always one that God intended to redeem. Um, God wants us to live in this world and be agents of his goodness, of his glory, of his righteousness to the people around us. We don't get to peace out. We don't get to say we're not a part of it. And this is, becomes even more clear through the way this righteousness credited by faith is established. It's established, according to verse 24, through, it's made a reality through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So in the resurrection, what is God saying about human embodiment, human existence? He's saying it's something he wants to redeem. He doesn't let Jesus stay in the tomb because he's saying, he, he's saying a message about, about embodiment, I think, for sure. He's saying that um, he's going to redeem it. That uh, the resurrection is um, a promise that we too will be raised from the dead one day. And so I think it's a call to live in this world with more purpose, with more focus, with, um, with greater understanding that we have something to do here. So I want to challenge you and ask you to consider, do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as a part of the, the kingdom that God's establishing on earth? Do you see a part of his plan of redemption? Do you see yourself playing a crucial role in God's redeeming the world? Abraham would inherit the world. Isn't that beautiful? You too are called to inherit the world. You're called to be salt of the earth and lights of the world. You're to be a real ingredient in God's plan of redemption, a real ingredient in his work of renewal and resurrection, a real part of his righteousness being tasted and seen and embodied on earth. That's your mission if you're a follower of Jesus. All right, second thing I want to say is that faith, according to the way Paul talks about it here, is trusting in God for better outcomes, both now and into eternity. What do I mean by that? Well, um, Abraham hoped against hope, Paul says, that despite the fact that he was old and his wife was old, and um, it says her... Uh, her womb was the dead, talks about the deadness of Sarah's womb. Um, like really quick biology lesson here, but most people who are a hundred years old are not having children, right? And so this would have been really hard for someone in Abraham and Sarah's situation to believe that God could bring about this promise to make Abraham a great nation and to bless his descendants and to bless all the nations of the earth through them. Like, how's God going to establish this? This this is kingdom language. How's God going to establish this kind of kingdom, this kind of, uh, bring this kind of flourishing? He's promising a really beautiful future for Abraham. You see that, right? But how's God going to provide that when um, science would tell you that nobody this age has kids, nobody lives to this age, must have, must, much less has kids at this age. And yet God's saying, I'm going to bring this beautiful outcome to you and your descendants and your family. It's going to be amazing. Um, I think that we're promised something similar. We're promised a future of resurrection. We're promised a future of resurrection and renewal. We're promised a future of the fruits of the Spirit. That like, if we trust Jesus, that... Our lives are going to um, be embodiments of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you're probably looking at your life right now and you're thinking, um, if you see the way I parent, you would know that my house is not a place of peace. It's not a place of self-control. It's not a place of gentleness. Um, but here's what I would say to you is that this, this promise is for you. God promises us a better outcome. That's why Abraham hoped against hope because it wasn't his everyday experience. You see that, right? Like his everyday experience was one of doubt. His everyday experience was one of like, is God going to pull through? His everyday experience was one which he did some messed up things. Like Abraham lied about who his wife was in order to save his own skin and basically gave her over to Pharaoh um, in exactly the way that you think that means he did. Abraham was not a great person. Abraham was not um, this person that put himself, that, that pulled himself up out of the dirt and made a great life for himself. He's not someone that um, like went out and won friends and influenced people and became a great man because he worked so stinking hard. Um, Abraham was a broken person. He was a pagan before God entered his life. He worshipped many gods. Um, he's not the model citizen. And that's good news because you're not the model citizen either. And yet God invites you to be a part of the work he's doing in the world. He invites you to his kingdom and he wants you to trust him for a better outcome. Um, do you trust that God can bring beauty to the ashes of your life? That God can bring renewal to what is gray? That God can bring life to what is dead? Do you believe in the power of the resurrection? Um, faith in Abraham's mind is trust in God. It's hoping it's hope that God can bring about the beautiful outcomes he promises. And that doesn't mean that your life in the here and now is going to be amazing or is always going to be like healthy and full and everything that you want it to be. It, your life this side of eternity could be really hard, but it can be really good. And the invitation to trust in Jesus is an invitation to trust him for a better future, for one of a future that, uh, that is one of resurrection and renewal. Both now, God wants to redeem what's dead in us now, and in the future when we rise from the dead to be with him forever. Last thing I want to say about faith is that Paul is saying something really um, controversial, uh, radical in this in this passage, and that's that the faith that leads to righteousness, the faith that the righteousness that's credited by faith is available to absolutely everyone. There's no one that's that's disqualified from this. Uh, and he's making a distinction here, particularly between Jews and Gentiles. Not a distinction. There is a distinction between Jews and Gentiles in the way they would operate, the way they would live. And these people were very different, very divided did not see eye to eye on almost anything. And Paul's saying um, in this passage that, uh, that both of them can have a right relation with God by faith, by faith. And it's really beautiful because uh, this was a radical, uh, radical back then because no Jew would see any Gentile as clean and no Jew would see any Gentiles being able to be right before God. And, and Gentiles would have seen Jews as weird and like certainly not uh, people who have the favor of God upon them because they all, of, of the gods upon them because they all believed in one God. And so Gentiles look down on Jews as well. Um, but Paul's saying that 
uh, that both of them are invited. Everyone is invited. You're invited. And listen, we do this today. We, we, we kind of view certain people as certainly they can't be people God would love or people God would invite. Surely you can't be a Christian if you think X or you do Y, right? Like if you, um, surely you can't be a Christian, right? If you have a certain view about, um, about gender or, 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 um, abortion or whatever it is. Like you have to think the way that I think about this issue or you can't be a Christian. Or we'd say, surely you can't be a Christian if you do X, Y, or Z. Like if you, um, if you live a certain lifestyle or if you, um, have done certain things, right? Like we, we kind of assume that those things might disqualify certain people from being a part of God's kingdom. And Paul's saying, no, like righteousness has always been granted to all people the same way by faith and has nothing to do with what they've done, has nothing to do with their upbringing, has nothing to do with their political views. It's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. And that is really good news for you and me because none of us are disqualified. We're all invited and we're called to participate in this beautiful journey of believing God for better outcomes. Um, and from living in this world with greater intention and purpose, um, and trusting in God uh, for the righteousness that He alone can provide. It's really good news. And it's good news for you. Do you see it as good news for you? I hope that you do. Thanks so much for your time. We'll see you again next week.